It's February 6, 2023 in the Pat Price Tech Talk training room. I'm Larry Gassman, co-chair of Accessible World and Tech Talk. And we have a guest. We we haven't done too much of this, and we really should because it's a very popular computer as well, obviously. And so we're going to delve into another kind of a computer, and we hope you will enjoy it. And to introduce our guest for Tech Talk this evening, here's Myrna Vota. So this evening, and I've been wanting to really do this for a long time because I think for the poor Max have been the stepchild of, of Tech Talk. Um, John Panarese, who is the founder and creator and the head honcho of um, Mac for the Blind, is going to be our guest. And John is a trainer and he does tutorials and he does has done some some beta testing for apple i believe and so john is going to talk to us about the mac so john take it away and by the way john it, it it's your decision if you want to stop the points and you know have questions it's fine or if you want to do a whole presentation and then you know ask let people ask questions whatever way you want to do it is fine I think probably just going through all this stuff and then just having a Q&A at the end would probably work best just okay, to keep great. the flow. Okay, go. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me to uh, present here. Uh, as Myrna says, uh, I'm John Panarese of Mac for the Blind. Uh, I've been in the assistive technology arena market, whatever you want to call it, since 1993. And I've been training specifically on assistive technology products since 2010. Um, my involvement with Apple accessibility began around 2005 when VoiceOver was first released in macOS Tiger 10.4. And I, as Myrna said, I have done beta testing year after year on both Mac and iOS platforms. I've been contracted directly um, with Apple to do quality assurance. I've also trained um, people inside Apple on voiceover at times as well. Um, currently, I train for, geez, probably 10 or 12 different state agencies. I do private training. I do group training. Uh, I've trained for organizations such as uh, I've done Mac training for Enable India. Uh, and some other organizations over the years. So my point being that I've been around the Apple scene for quite some time and have had a lot of contact with people inside of the a Apple Accessibility Group. Now, I just want to first start off by saying that this is not going to be a Windows bashing presentation. I'm not going to do the Mac versus PC game here. I'm just going to present to you um, the state of voiceover how far the Mac has come and let you guys, you know, make your informed, educated decisions. Because what I've learned as an assistive technology trainer and consultant is every situation for vocation or education comes down to the individual user as far as what tools work best for them and what's available for them, for example, within the job situation. So in other words, if it's all they got is Windows, then that's what they use. They use Windows and a Windows screen reader of their choice. Um, however, I also want to point out, hopefully, you know, as I get through this presentation, that the Mac platform has expanded quite a bit into the enterprise market, specifically because of two reasons. Number one, iOS and the iPhone and iPad's popularity has sort of proliferated into the Mac arena. And secondly, it's just a lot of companies are now starting to do their bring your own computer policy, where years ago you had to use whatever they wanted you to use. But I have been working with a lot of clients in recent years in which they've been, you know, put into a situation where as long as it works and you can do your job, they don't really care what platform you're using. And they usually have IT people that will support both Mac and Windows. So let's start with Mac computers in general. Um, one of the first questions that I am often asked when we're talking about a client or an individual comes to me who is interested to either trying out a Mac or completely switching to a Mac is, what kind of Mac should I get, John? 
The answer to that really comes down to you as the user and your situation. You have laptop Macs and you have desktop Macs. Um, unfortunately, the waters have gotten a little muddied, which was never, you know, years ago, Steve Jobs was probably rolling in his grave at this point because that was never what he intended to do. But unfortunately, we have a lot of different options. So the first question you really have to ask yourself is, what do I want to use the Mac for? If I'm just going to be doing email, uh, word processing, some web browsing, you know, maybe streaming, you know, YouTube videos or, you know, Netflix or whatever, you can pretty much use any basic Mac computer. So a MacBook Air, for example, as a laptop, or you can get yourself a Mac Mini as a desktop model. If you're more into the professional type of area where you're going to be doing a lot of audio, or possibly even video. I know there are blind people or low vision people that still do audio and photograph manipulation. Then you may need to lean more heavily towards a MacBook Pro as a laptop computer and maybe something more along the lines of an iMac or even a Mac Pro as a desktop computer. So, you know, that's really the first decision you have to make. The second decision is okay am i going to travel with this computer do i plan on taking it with me to school or work or am i going to really just be using it in my home or my office and that's where you have to make the choice of whether you want a laptop computer or a desktop computer so your laptop options as i said are the macbook air and then you have the macbook pro models the the 13 inch and then you have the 14 and the 16 inch and as far as like the specifications go, I mean, whatever you're willing to pay, I mean, as far as, you know, let's say 16 gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of RAM, uh, you know, whether you want a, a 512 gigabyte SSD or a one terabyte or a two terabyte SSD, that's really up to you as the individual, what you A, what you feel you need and B, more importantly, especially when it comes to the blind, uh, you know, market segment is price. How much you're willing or are able to spend and then on the desktop side you have the mac mini which is the little box type of computer that you kind of bring your own keyboard and if you want to connect the monitor or need to connect a monitor or a trackpad or whatever um you have the imac which is the all-in-one the classic uh mac computer that a lot of people think of when they think of the desktop which is like really really slick and slim now and very light as well and then you have the Mac Pro, which is really the professional model where you see, you know, in like, let's say video editing studios or music studios that are running Pro, Pro Tools or Logic Pro, you know, they're pretty much on Mac Pro computers. So that's kind of the first step is to decide which Mac model you, is really going to benefit you or do the most for you and get the most bang for your buck. Now, it really doesn't matter what you end up choosing in the end as far as accessibility goes because voiceover runs on any Mac right out of the box. There's nothing special you have to download. You don't have to purchase anything, any SMAs, any licensing. It's right there on the, on the Macs, every computer. You can walk into an Apple store and fire up voiceover and try it out for yourself if you're really inclined to do so. The voiceover is also completely supported by Apple which means that there's no third-party bolt-ons or anything like that. When there's operating system improvements or upgrades, voiceover becomes part of the package because it's all built into the operating system itself. Uh, that makes it a far more stable uh, situation. You don't have your screen reader quitting on you in the middle of doing something. Um, you don't have the, the, the computer itself really crashing and leaving you sort of helpless and not knowing what to do unless you had a pair of eyes or you need to fire up like narrator uh, in the Windows environment. So there's, you know, some really cool things about being a Mac user. Now, voiceover has come a very, very, very long way. Um, if we had this conversation in 2005 when voiceover first came out on Tiger, it would be a very hard sell for me to try to talk anybody into really giving it a try and trying to claim that it can do, you know, almost everything that a Windows screen reader such as JAWS or NVDA can do. 
However, now in 2023, it's a much, much different game. Uh, voiceover, as far as I, as someone who trains people in both the Mac and Windows environment, voiceover pretty much goes blow for blow for what you can do uh, with a Windows screen reader. What it really comes down to, one of the things I try to emphasize to users, especially when they come over from either switching to the Mac or wanting to use both Windows and the Mac, is the old expression you're only as good as you you know you're only as good with your screen reader as you are you know with anything else in life meaning that if you put the time in to learn your screen reader and utilize it properly and know all your shortcuts and know all the little you know tips and tricks and and shortcuts you'll be just as productive and effective in the mac environment as you can be in windows um that's you know one thing that sometimes people they look at the mac briefly they go online and they say oh pff, i can't you know <laughs> i can do this 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 and this with jaws and nvda well you can do the same thing you just got to learn how to do it you got to you know as the as i always tell my clients you have to learn to crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run so it is a process also you got to remember that if you are going to try to make the switch or utilize both platforms you are learning a brand new operating system and a brand new screen reader. And despite whether you had five years, 10 years, 15 years, 30 years in the Windows environment using a Windows screen reader, don't expect or predict that you're going to learn Mac and VoiceOver in a matter of days. It just doesn't happen. There's a learning curve involved, just like with anything else. And what I always try to, you know, kind of gently remind some of my users is think back to when you learned how to use Windows, at least for those of us who came from the DOS era, how difficult that was to get into learning to use Windows in the graphical user interface. So you kind of have to put that same principle in mind when you're you know, trying to jump into learning how to use a Mac. Now, VoiceOver is both a keyboard-driven system, just like JAWS and NVDA. Um, you know, sometimes people have this notion or this claim, oh, there's just so many different, you know, multi-key presses involved in using VoiceOver. It's no different than using JAWS or NVDA in Windows. I'm sorry. It's just that, you know, you're going to have to use a keyboard and you're going to have to learn an array of different commands and then on top of the voiceover commands, just like with JAWS and NVDA, you have your operating system based commands. So there are a whole slew of Mac OS commands that you, um, you know, would need to, to, you know, obviously learn as well. So there's, you know, pretty much a similarity right there with those two systems. The additional thing too, just like you can do on some Windows uh, laptops like the Surface, you can use gestures on your Mac laptop by way of the built-in multi-touch glass trackpad of a Mac laptop computer, or you can purchase a magic trackpad uh, for a desktop computer. So if you are a voiceover user who is familiar with the gestures in the iOS world on an iPhone or an iPad, there is actually a feature called Trackpad Commander on the Mac that will allow you to access and control your Mac and open applications and such in the same ways as you would do you can turn the rotor you can do all the you know single finger double tap etc cetera, etc cetera. so again there's a lot of different ways you can approach trying to either you know switch or learn how to use both operating systems and screen readers simultaneously now at this point we are uh apple you know pretty much updates their operating systems on a yearly cycle usually around the same time at the, as you know a lot of iPhone users know this September usually maybe the beginning of October at the latest we have the new version of iOS and all its goodies that come along the same thing happens with the Mac a little bit later usually sometime at the end of October or November so we are now if you're a Mac user you probably are aware we are up to Mac OS 13 uh Ventura uh, for a long time, it used to be Mac OS 10 point something, 10.1, 10.2, et cetera. 
They got all the way to 10.15 and they decided to kind of switch the game over. So now we went from Mac OS 11, Mac OS 12, Monterey, and we're now at Mac OS 13, Ventura. So each time there has been a new iteration of the Mac OS, voiceover has also come along for the ride with, you know, either improvements or additional, you know, features that have been added. Um, at this point, from a visual standpoint, for those folks who have low vision or know of sighted people who really understand, you know, both iOS and macOS, they're kind of starting to merge in a lot of ways as far as their, you know, the way they work and their appearance. My point being that if you're an iPhone or an iPad user, there is actually going to be a lot more familiarity, for example, in system settings and what is called launchpad to launch applications, you're going to find it very comforting as far as like it's it's not a, a, a significant switch over to having to learn the Mac and voiceover. They're, they're the same family, I guess you would call it. So it's just a matter of learning the keyboard commands on the Mac side of things. Now, as far as as a trainer, I, you know, again, I don't want to get into this whole, you know, game of what's better than what's better, what's not, et cetera, et cetera. But from the perspective, the things that I will tell you that I like as a Mac user, and again, I want to emphasize the fact that I train Windows. I have part of my Helen Keller client, uh, uh, people that I have to train for New York State. Uh, I've done, I do Windows training pretty regularly. I do it for a couple of different state organizations as well. My point being that I have a Surface laptop running Windows 11 with the latest JAWS 2 2023. I've tinkered a bit with NVDA as well. So my, you know, I just want to emphasize the point that I'm not just talking smoke here. Um, it's just easier to teach a person how to use VoiceOver and the Mac than it is to teach a person how to use Windows and JAWS, for example. The Mac tends to be a lot more straightforward and how you do things and where you access things. It's not so much uh, um, of a guessing game at times. And I'm not, you know, and I'm, believe me, I'm not trying to say that the Mac is a piece of cake. I'm not trying to say that voiceover is a piece of cake, but side by side, having trained people over the years, I find it a lot easier to have progress made a lot more smoothly and easily when I'm teaching a Mac client how to use voiceover and mac os compared to how to teach them to get into the world of windows and jaws in particular so you know it's just one of those things um i personally use the mac for everything i do as far as my business and my personal life i made that conscious decision i guess around 2009 or 10 when I really just decided that I had enough of trying to use Windows on a regular basis with the viruses and the crashes and stuff. Um, Mac OS, it's not to say that there are no known malware or the possibility of getting a virus on a Mac. However, really compared to Windows, you really have to do a lot as a Mac user to get a virus or a, mal a piece of malware. It's usually a situation where the user is is inviting it, quote unquote, in by way of a third party application or something along those lines. It's not like in Windows where you can open a mail attachment and end up being in a lot of trouble. Uh, remember that the Mac is based on a chassis of Unix uh, BSD. Uh, it's a command line interface at the heart of things where Windows does not use that same uh, principle. So the Mac tends to be and always has been a much more secure environment. It's very much like iOS. And that's why, you know, going back to an earlier statement I made about the enterprise market and uh, Apple's, I guess, um, growing uh, presence within the enterprise market has a lot to do with security. Uh, you're seeing a lot of companies, including the government, that are switching over to iOS over Android because of that. And you're seeing a lot of companies going with Macs because of the le lesser risk of security problems. And that's kind of a reality that cannot, cannot really be um, ignored in this day and age where we have so much, uh, you know, identity theft and, uh, you know, hacking of systems and so forth. So that's also, I've seen that become a very important factor 
as far as when I'm training clients who are in the work environment. And I can tell you, you know, just from having been a trainer, exclusively been a trainer since 2010 or so, most of uh, going back to early on with the Apple specific products, most of my training was iOS for the first, I don't know how many years, whatever, seven, eight years, whatever. I would say within the last four or five years, the number of Mac users has increased. And the thing that has kind of been startling to me has been state agencies. For a very long time, state agencies were very reluctant to buy clients Macs or to even recommend the use of Mac, particularly in the vocational arena. However, that has changed a lot. I have been very surprised by the number of state counselors that have authorized or have supported Mac training uh, for clients and how many people I've, I've trained in the last four or five years who are using their Macs within their, you know, their specific work situation. Um, that can be, you know, attorneys, that can be people in sales, that can be a lot of different people in their own, even people running their own, blind people running their own businesses. Uh, I have a, a one lady I worked with not that long ago, a private client from New England, who exclusively used Max in her business. Uh, and she had sight and lost her sight uh, due to, um, to RP, but she stayed with Max and that's the only thing she'll use in her company that she runs. So I'm starting to see this more and more as, you know, as the um, the years have passed and, you know, as far as the training authorizations that I've received. So if you are planning to, if you're investigating or considering, or you're just curious and you just want to see, you know, what's it, what is it all about? As I said, the easiest thing to do is to go into an Apple store and fire up voiceover on any of the Macs that happen to be around. Now, contrary to, or should say opposite to way it, the way it was when I first came into this, we had no trainers, no tutorials, no real support out there in the community. We were kind of, we still, I guess us original Mac people kind of consider ourselves the pioneers. It's kind of the same, uh, those of us who, who first started using the iPhone 3GS, we were kind of on our own and we only had each other. So learning to use voiceover on the Mac back in 2005 was a challenge and a half. You turn the clock to 2023, and there are a ton of resources out there. Some of you may be familiar, for example, with appleviz.com as a source of iOS information and app tutorials and tips and getting started, etc., they also have a wide array of Mac-related information, including their own getting started um, uh, information, uh, you know, to get people up and running on a Mac. Uh, as Myrna kindly mentioned very early on, I have a whole series of audio tutorials. Uh, I call it the audio tutorial series, and I also have what are called Apple Slices that help, hopefully will help a person getting started with the Mac sort of find their feet under them. I have an intro. People will say, oh, it's an old intro. It's from whatever years ago. Things really have not changed on the Mac and voiceover as far as the introductory material goes. So if you download that free tutorial, it will give you a, still give you a very good uh, understanding of how voiceover works and what you need to know when you're first getting started. And there are other... Um, you know, other various resources out there, a lot of different websites, a lot of different uh, training guides and material that you can find online. Um, uh, of course, I'm drawing a blank, a very good friend of mine, uh, Cliff, and if you guys know Matthew Volbrecht and, and Cliff Miller, uh, they do uh, also training materials and they have uh, courses that they run uh, Cliff is doing more with the Mac right now, which is a, a, a multi-part series of getting people, uh, you know, acclimated to using a Mac. I run Zoom courses a few times a year for usually six or eight week stretches. I plan on doing something, um, hitting, I guess, high points of using the Mac and voiceover in a series 
of hour to hour and a half um, Zoom lessons, probably in April and May and beginning of June. So my point is that you're not going to be floating out there in the waters by yourself if you decide to try out the Mac. There is a lot of places you can go for help. I do one on, as I said earlier, I do one-on-one -on -one training. I do group trainings. I've done, you know, all kinds of different situations, beginner, intermediate, advanced, soup to nuts. I do the Apple certified uh, support professional course, which is now called the Apple device management course to get people their certifications with Apple. Um, Cause I am an Apple certified trainer as well as being a support professional for Apple. Uh, so really if you're interested in voiceover it is just as viable an option for assistive technology as windows in this you know day and age so you know yes are macs a little bit more expensive absolutely but you you know you as my dad used to say all the time you get what you pay for and if you're going to buy a mac you're going to get the quality of an Apple product and you're also going to get the longevity and it will if you you know if you have a look on on eBay or other sites and you look at the people selling Macs from even five or six years ago they're still able to sell those laptops and desktops for more money than you can buy a, a, a PC these days uh like a you know um I'm not saying like a high-end Dell or something like that, but I'm just talking about your average PC you'll find online or whatever. So my point is that Macs do hold their value as well. Even when you want to trade in your Mac to get a new one, Apple offers some really good trade-in values on older systems. So you really have a lot of pluses as far as a pros when it comes to, you know, going with the Mac. Again, if you have to use Windows because that's you have no choice, or maybe it's your comfort zone, that's perfectly fine as well. You know, like I said, I've been a Windows user since 1993. I started with um, TSI Power Braille and then uh, Slimware Window Bridge and Window Eyes and Jaws. So, you know, I've been around that whole environment as well. But it's just, as I said, I find it much more comfortable for me as a blind person to use a Mac with voiceover than I do having to sit down with my Windows PC and firing up JAWS. It's just, to me, it's two different environments. But again, the day is done. It's up to you as the individual blind person. The beauty of this whole thing, the overview here, overall view here is that we have options as blind people. You know, we have technology out there at our fingertips and we can make our own decisions. We're not limited to one platform. We're not limited to a small segment of products. We have uh, you know, options that we can go in and be successful. And whether it be in the school arena, you know, I, I work with a lot of students in college and even some high school students I've worked with over the years. And I currently have a, a, a senior in high school I'm working with. You know, the Apple Mac voiceover iOS, definitely a big part of the education system. And as I said, not to overemphasize or beat the, you know, a dead horse here, so to speak, but in the employment world, I've been totally blown away by how many Mac users uh, beyond the iOS users. I mean, the iOS users in the work environment is pretty incredible how many companies and such use exclusively use iPhones for their employees. But now, as I said, with the bring your own computer policy that a lot of companies are starting to institute, I'm running into a lot of Mac users uh, who need training on voiceover, which, you know, is is fine for me as a trainer. So, you know, that's that to me just speaks volumes, especially when you do have uh, state agencies uh, and, you know, that are recommending Mac computers these days that is just such a significant change than what it was even 2016 2015 back then you know it's just an incredible shift that i've seen i'm, I'm not even going to mention a couple of state agencies but <laughs> it just blows me away so you can get a start by going to my website uh www.macfortheblind.com the contact information for everything is also in the emails that you guys all should have uh 
received for this presentation. I would be more than happy to assist you, advise you on you know, what kind of Mac if you have further questions or you are interested in training or maybe brush up training if you're a current Mac user of VoiceOver. Uh, I'd be happy to assist you in that way as well. And as I said, I have the audio tutorials and a lot of other free resources on the website. Marsha's got a question, I think. What about Mac and how it works with the current Braille display technology. I'm a rather heavy Braille user. <laughs> and how does that space work with the current Braille technology that we now have? Well, the beauty of the Mac is that there are no specific drivers that are necessary for the brand. Uh, there's a universal Braille driver. So any Braille display that you want to connect uh, to your Mac, either via USB or Bluetooth, will work. There's an there's an overall list of all the models supported on the Apple website. I think it's up to 60 or 70 different models. I have a Braille Edge 40 right here that I've been using for years, um, and I've trained several people in you know with Focus 40s, Focus 80s, uh, Brilliance, okay. um, other Hims products. So they definitely work. Um, quite well. Um, they're customizable, just like you can do in the Windows environment. Um, so definitely, you're not going to be left out if you need Braille support. There are a lot of deaf-blind clients that I've worked with, too, through Helen Keller um, that that take advantage of that. Ah, okay. I was, I was just kind of wondering about that. Marsha, it's Myrna. I'm going I'm to do, do privileges. I'm using a, I just started using a Brilliant, the new Brilliant 40, the BIX 40 with a Mac. And the first time you put it in, I'll say, like, um, do you want to, I'm, you know, I'm going to paraphrase, but like, do you want to allow this Braille display to be used with the Mac? You go, yeah. And boom, boom, she goes. And then when you, um, you know, next time you put your Mac, there it is. There she is. So it's, it's really nice. And there is, um, there's a braille you can do braille commands on it you can that you want to do um so it's really it's really very very good it was just easy to do it ah okay yeah I, uh, yeah thank you very much mm -hmm. dan minor you can unmute yourself and ask your question so uh, i'm kind of still fairly new to the to the mac but i do come from the window side of things and whatnot one of the features I haven't been able to find a way to replicate yet is, you know, with JAWS and NVDA, you run across uh, PDFs, websites, uh, other parts of applications that's in an image or something, and you need to run OCR on it. And those screen readers on the Windows side support that pretty easily. How do you do that in the voiceover world? Um, Apple is moving more towards uh, a more system-based solution to that using AI. I don't know if you're going to see, um, there is a way you can convert using the preview application where you can do technically do OCR, but it doesn't work that well in my humble opinion. Um, what Apple is trying to do is they're actually trying to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to actually uh, analyze the image or the PDF and then come up with a text conversion. At least that's the impression that I've gotten from accessibility because I've asked them several times. That is a great feature within JAWS is that PDF conversion, um, you know, the, the way it works on the fly. And that's the one thing I've emphasized to Apple accessibility over the years is, hey, you know, you got to do something like that. That's that's really very helpful because in this day and age, we're dealing with a lot of PDFs. Um, but as far as accessing OCR, there are a lot of OCR uh, options out there for the Mac that are a lot less expensive than the Windows solutions. In other words, OpenBook or K1000 you can get an OCR, full-blown OCR solution for the Mac for $99 through Abbey Fine Reader Pro. And that's what I've been kind of using to convert any image PDFs into either Microsoft Word or plain text. But yeah, you do have a good point there, for sure. Uh, what was the name of that again? Abbey? Uh, Abbey Fine Reader Pro. 
Abby Fine Reader Pro. Okay, thank yes. you. Mm-hmm. Byron Sykes, you can unmute yourself and ask your question. Is there a fine text command in uh, the Apple world? Say that again. Is there a what? Find text command. Oh, yeah. yeah. Control option F is the voiceover find command that will work in like a text document to, you know, specifically find, you know, the command F will work, but I find control option F a more streamed down and simpler interface to use for searching for text. I use it all the time. Okay, thank you. And is the um, option key, is that what a Windows it's, person would think yeah, of? Yes, it's the Windows key on the left-hand side, or if you have a full-blown keyboard, it would basically be the equivalent yeah. of the application key on the right-hand side of the keyboard. Bobby Venton, you can unmeet yourself and ask your question. Um, does a Mac have, because I've never, I touched a Mac and I played with one, I never actually sat down to use one. Um, do they have a registry, like if you're uninstalling programs? And another thing is, um, we know Windows has a, an array of audio converters and, you know, different things like that. Like I like to convert and stuff, and I'm thinking about maybe playing with the Mac before I get one. What's the best audio converter that's free for a Mac for, you know, a beginner? Um, there are several. So what you might want to do is get in touch with me privately. And I will go through my list of applications that I have on my computer because I do, I love to convert different types of audio files into MP3 or MP4. So, yeah, there are a switch. There's a few of them, but I have to look to before I could recommend one that I think is the best. I'd have to look through everything. But there are one of the other things you'll find that even the paid Mac applications that work in Mac OS are a lot less expensive than the applications that um you know you will you'll find in the windows world i mean you know you're, you're talking about applications that cost four or five dollars or maybe nine or nineteen dollars at the most you know depending on what you need to do you know i'm not talking about the high-end professional like recording stuff that's a different story i'm talking about you know the average user and what they might need to do on a daily basis and to answer your other question about the registry, there really is no need on a Mac. You simply just delete the application from the applications folder. If you want to get rid of all of the, you know, the, the resources and such that you might be concerned about being left behind, there are free app, what they call app zappers or app removals tools that will do that for you. I never use them personally. If I delete an application, I just delete it. If it has an uninstaller, you just run the uninstaller and it gets rid of everything for you. So there's really no mucking in the in the uh, the registry needed on a Mac. Yeah, because every time I have to uninstall something that won't uninstall that maybe I've installed accidentally, I always have to have the Microsoft Disability Answer Desk do it. So that's great news if you want to if you do it on a Mac, you don't need that. No, just delete it from the applications folder. I mean, that's the simplest way to get rid of an application. You obviously know your stuff in the Mac world, and I appreciate that was that was an excellent presentation. But I, I guess my 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 question I I I I've been using Windows forever in a day, so I, I I'm not going to be change I'm not going to be changing because I would have to I, I would have to, it it would take me. By the time I learned all the stuff on the Mac to be where I am in Windows, I'd be dead. So you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I just don't have the time. But but for those, I, I mean, obviously, a lot of us have used uh, Microsoft Office for years and years and years, and 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 I know that's not the only solution out there. But a lot of people are familiar with it, and I believe there's a Mac version of yes. office even yep. though they've got their own do the, do the macs also have like the pages and well you have the, the option yeah you have the option of pages numbers and keynote which is the apple suite but if right, you're an right. office person and you need access to office you have word you have powerpoint you have excel so all those those things are available and they're completely accessible and the Microsoft accessibility team is is very good as well as, as you know as far as like support if you need any questions answered but definitely 
but you know and and you know i'm not try, i'm not trying to like to, you know to try to sway you alan but right you know, right right it's right. It, the thing is learning i had i'm trying to think 15 years i guess at the time i switched to the mac right invested right. in windows right. learning mac and voiceover yeah i mean if, if you want to be the expert that you are in windows it's going to take time and it's going to take oh, sure time. But it's Absolutely. not impossible. And you know, no, no. talking to somebody who has been on that road and balances, I mean, the hardest thing for me as a trainer, it's like a running joke I have internally, is it's remembering mm -hmm. what I'm teaching somebody. You know, oh, the other day I just I was yeah. working with somebody with Windows and I kept saying command key instead of the <laughs> alt key. You know, and I've done that right. in the opposite too, where I've been working with a Mac client, I'm talking about the alt key or I'm talking about a JAWS command. I'm going, wait a minute, I'm in the wrong operating system. <laughs> right. So uh, what? Uh, just as a sidebar on the same topic, in, in your opinion, do the Mac versions of the Office programs work as well? Yeah, you know, maybe well is not the best word to use, but are, are you able to, to get everything you need done in the Mac world? On the, everything the that I've done, yes, <laughs> and everything that I train clients on. It's just that you have to learn new keyboard commands. If you have memorized. Right, exactly. But yeah. really, you know, with the Mac, and when it comes to one of the cool things that they did do, you just have to switch the control key with the command key when it comes to using the Mac versions of the Office products. So in other words, right, right. keyboard commands that would normally involve the control key in the Windows world, you switch to the command key, and right. you pretty much are going to know your keyboard commands. Well, I, I, I'm a huge fan of iOS and, and my iPhone. So yeah, that, that I, people that are in, in my boat obviously have a that, that that's a good starting point if you're thinking about going to the mac world i would think so, yeah i've okay. seen you on the uh on the ios list <laughs> right okay yeah oh yeah okay very very good okay uh carla hayes you can unmute yourself and ask your question two quick questions i'm always asking because i work in foreign languages i want to know how mac um stacks up as far as with foreign languages how you you know if you want to deal with the multilingual um, documents mm -hmm. Diacritical marks. And then the other question I have is um, like if you're going from the Mac world to the the PC world to the Mac world as far as formatting, um, what kind of compatibility issues are there between documents produced in one and read on the other? I don't know if that makes sense to you, but those no, are I mean, as long as you're using the same application, there's no you know compatibility issues as far as formatting goes. I've had documents that I've created on the Mac side that I've given to people who are Windows users. I've taken documents that were created in Microsoft Windows versions of Office and I've easily, you know, read them and they there's no formatting problems on the Mac side. The only quote potential quote unquote issue is if you use pages with very high end formatting and you export into word there are situations where some of the formatting doesn't take but that's really very high end i've only seen that happen with a couple of college students yeah. who've had to have um you know yeah. specific formatting but you know that's yes. that's really not the the, the yes. you know basic rule of thumb and with the languages, I don't know. Now, the languages, um, I don't have a lot of experience in the Windows side using foreign languages. Just I don't know why. I've just not really worked with people. But the Mac side, it's very interesting because they do a great job supporting multilingual as it is. There's different, you know, speech that you can definitely, you know, include with your voiceover speech um, options. But you also, if you have like a document, um, that is formatted properly, that is in a different language, voiceover will actually switch to a speech that uses that language. So in other words, if it's a, if it's a document written in Spanish or German, you'll actually hear voiceover switch over to one of the German or Spanish voices, and it will read that document. So it's pretty cool. I've, I've had to help a couple of clients. One of my clients was um, Austrian. So he dealt with German and French documents. So it was kind of a neat experience for me because I'd never had that, you know, kind of before. And then um, how, do you you know, when, how do you generate the diacritical marks with, with Mac? 
There is um, combinations of using the option key with different letters on the keyboard. Um, there is a document, I think I still have it. I have a document uh, that actually explains the breakdown, how to do all the different diacritical marks and accents and stuff. I, I, this is Alan again. I'm going to jump in with one other thing. Are, are you finding, John, let's just say we've all run into this when we have an app or a, you know, or a software program, whatever the correct terminology is these days, that we love. And, you know, Windows only for some of them or, or, or Mac only for some of them, obviously. But, uh, like, I use the Money Talks checkbook program on my PC. And, you know, uh, are, are you finding that you're starting to see more stuff that, used to be only one or the other starting to kind of uh, move into the, into the other world or especially windows only starting to move into the, the Mac world or. or yeah. Or, I mean, you're starting yeah. to see, and, and one of the things is it has to do with the way Apple is sort of encouraging developers. So you, you know, you right. have the Swift code, um, you have the X code that has accessibility tied into it. So you're you're finding applications that used to be exclusively Windows kind of being ported over, or you know one of the other things I I end up having to do as a trainer sometimes is finding alternative applications for people. In other words, an application right. that they love using in Windows, they want to mm -hmm. have the same functionality in the Mac world, and I have to find something that is comparable to that, and it's become a lot easier um, either through the Mac App Store just doing searches or even just going online and just, you know, just as my brother calls it, consulting the Oracle, you know, right. and just doing an internet search. Area code 207. Uh, I yourself. Why and is that familiar question. to me? Is that Maine? It's Maine. It's Margaret probably. I, yes, I'm afraid so. Guilty as charged. This is Margaret up in Maine. Um, my phone wouldn't um, let me get on any other way. So I didn't, um, but I for I never did this when I made the switch from uh, the Windows to Mac because I knew that I mentally just wasn't going to make it. But could could you? Um, this is such a good presentation. If I if memory serves, there were there used to be two ways um, that if you were brave enough, you could actually put a Windows onto your Mac. Um, if for those who felt strong and brave enough to switch back and forth. Yes. And I, one of them was called boot camp and i can't remember what the other one the other was. one was I, is virtual machine that's right thank so you so let me but, be yeah okay go ahead well ask no, a question yeah oh, oh no i just i just wondered um people might want to know that that's an option oh, okay really more okay. dapper than i am <laughs> so thank so you. here's the rub with that so apple switched to their own processors uh, some of you may be familiar you hear people talk about the m1 and the m2 max uh system on a chip so see there's a lot of different names that they call um you know what they basically apple has departed from intel because the intel chips just got to be the growth the mac chips have just expanded so much more than what intel had to offer now the problem that this has caused to some degree is that we used to have what's called boot camp on intel max and basically what that meant is you could partition your disk and you could have a version of Windows running on one partition and then you would have Mac running on the other partition. Now with the advent of M1 and M2s, at the moment you cannot do Windows exclusively on its own partition because we're no longer using the Intel uh, you know, processors. However, the virtual machine option where you run Windows inside of the Mac environment is still viable by way of Parallels desktop uh, on the M1 and M2 Macs. So if you do, for any reason, need to have access to Windows for a specific proprietary app that you may need to you know, use in the work environment, you can still run a Mac and be able to access both your Windows screen reader and that application by way of a virtual machine environment. We've got uh, only one hand left, and it's a duplicate. It's Marsha Mack again. How familiar yes. are you, um, um, John, with the final draft or FDX, as they call it, 
final draft extender. This is for script writing for for people who are writing screenplays and stuff like that. Because um, I had been working with Apple and stuff like that to get that a little bit more accessible. I found it to be just absolutely horrible. So how I have never used it. Um, so you have have you contacted accessibility inside of Apple to ask them about yes. that? Yes. Okay. And they're uh some of them are going, huh? What's that? <laughs> and I'm going, oh dear. And I worked with the developers on that, and some of the people at uh, the people who did Final Draft, they were even surprised that blind people were writing screenplays. And I'm going, oh, dear, we got some work to do here. <laughs> you know what? If you really, I mean, if you want to contact me privately, we'll have a discussion about this. And I would be happy to get involved in a dialogue with the developer to try to encourage them because I can come up with the the perspective of a trainer to say, hey, you know, I have had a couple of clients in recent, you know, months that have been asking about your product. And what's the idea? You know, when when do you think you're going to have an accessible version? All right. So as far as contacting me, the easiest way is via email. John, J-O-H-N at MacfortheBlind.com, M-A-C-F-O-R-T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D.com. You can call the office at area code 631-724-4479, or you can just visit the website, www.macfortheblind.com, and there is a contact link on there as well. So you can always choose that if you can't remember anything else. And John, we want to thank you very much for being with us tonight. It's great to to delve into an area that we, you know, most of us who who use Windows haven't delved into that much. I mean, we're all we all have iPhones pretty much, but maybe not as many with the Mac. So it's great to to learn about a new area of of technology that is doing so much for so many people around the world. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. well I'd love to have like, you back at some time too. No, yeah, you did an outstanding job, John. You Thank you. you I'd you be happy to come back and talk about anything yeah. specific or general, whatever you need. Okay. We will definitely do that in the future. And next week here on Tech Talk, it's the soon-to-be-released Victor Reader stream number three that HumanWare yes, will be yes. releasing sometime. Uh, they hope the week of February 13th, so it might be available or shortly thereafter by the time we get together next week here on Tech Talk. And HumanWare will be here to describe all about it and take your questions as well. So we hope that you will join us and thank you all very much for joining us here on this edition of Tech Talk.